Let us turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. If you have the Bible that's in the pew, that would be page 978. 978. been talking about Christ as our head and we as the body, and <laughs> you're having more fun than we are. <clears throat> and as indicated in the bulletin, originally, as I thought about this week, I wanted to talk about some of the implications of his being our head and how he nourishes and cherishes us, as we see in verse 29. But I'll say, the more I studied this passage and toward the end of the week, I got arrested by uh, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ or in the fear of Christ. And so we're going to focus on that verse uh, this Sunday and then uh, go to this uh, other passage later on. But still, we'll read this whole section to get a feel for the context in which Paul is writing. Let's begin with verse 15 of chapter 5. Again, page 978. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ." Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However... Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And that word respect is the same word as reverence in verse 
21, which shows that Paul is using this as a way to close out this section. Thus the reading of God's Word. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, draw us to Yourself. Make us like Yourself, O Lord. As we studied some time ago, You said, Come to Me, you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Lord, you call us to humility before one another. You call us to the freedom of submitting ourselves, putting ourselves at each other's disposal. All because we are filled with the Spirit and because, O Lord, we fear and reverence the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, may you fulfill this in our lives. May we be a great honor to you, Lord Jesus, as we show within our body and for all those around us, those with whom each of us comes into contact. And Lord, as a body ministering in your name, that we may image our Lord Jesus who laid down his life for his church. Lord, thank you for such a high calling, such a glorious calling, noble and most difficult, challenging everything in us and having the greatest of rewards, the greatest of eternal rewards, and yet even in this life, Lord, personal shalom and peace and rest and maximum benefit and impact on a terrible world of darkness in which everyone is snatching whatever they can for themselves and dying in the process. Oh Lord, may we be bold followers of Jesus Christ and discover what human beings were really meant for. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, Paul has this phrase, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, in the connection here, uh, you have to go back really to verse 18 to get a command. And in verse 18... A fairly familiar command where he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then in the Greek grammar, the way it's set up, there are what they call, don't you love grammar exercises? Um, But they have what they call participles, other verbs that hang on that main verb. So you have a main verb and he's out front and then other verbs are kind of hanging onto his coattails and they flow from that main idea. So this is a very important idea, isn't it? Be filled with the Spirit. And it doesn't mean to be uh, filled with some kind of material thing with the Spirit, you know, like spatially to be filled up with the Spirit. It's a creative way to say, be filled with the ways of the Spirit. Be governed by that Spirit. 
Let him direct you in all of your life. Let him uh, have control of your life. You can get a little bit of a feel for the meaning of be filled with the Spirit because in the sister book, Colossians, where Paul is dealing with almost the same things. For instance, in that verse 19 where it says psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, that same phrase is in Colossians. And so he's going along the same lines as he writes to Ephesians, to the uh, church at Ephesus and to the church in Colossae. But instead of saying be filled with the Spirit, he says... Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Now, those aren't, they're two different things in one sense, but they're the same thing in another sense. To be filled with the ways of Christ's word, for his word to govern you is for the spirit to govern you. The spirit can't govern you apart from the word governing you. And if the word governs you, it must be that the spirit is enabling you to be governed by that word. Okay, so we need to take those things together. I'm governed by Christ's word only as the Spirit fills me. But if the Spirit fills me, what will be the result? I will give myself to his word. And several results come uh, or things that will give evidence that we are filled with the Spirit in this passage. And here are those verbs I talked about. Verse 19, speaking or addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's number one. Number two, together, singing and making melody. Number three, giving thanks always. And then number four, submitting to one another. Now, first, it's kind of interesting that you go back, and we're going to talk about this in point number two, but being filled with the Spirit is necessary for us to submit to each other. It's necessary. Also, you can't talk about psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, giving thanks, unless in the same breath you're saying, and submit yourselves one to another. Because if we propose in all of our spiritual fervor, uh, worship fervor, that we are worshiping God while we don't care about one another or pushing each other away or pushing ahead of one We're not really worshiping Him and we're not really filled with the Spirit. The Spirit always works so that there is this vertical praise and joy, but it embraces one another and it means that we will end up submitting ourselves to one another as well. So that's kind of the context uh, as where verse 21 comes in. And then it also, it, it, it acts as a kind of pivot in this passage because then it launches into wives submit to your own husbands. In fact, the verb submit is not even in verse 22. It borrows it from verse 21. So it reads like this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your own husbands. Understood, submit to your own husbands. So you can see how it flows from uh, the passage, be filled with the Spirit, but it launches you into the whole next section, which only ends in verse 33, where he brings up that idea of fear or respect again with husband. So uh, a a really well-constructed, as usual, uh, little section by Paul. But three things then I'd like for us to look at in, in this passage of verse 21. What does submit mean? Okay, how are we able to submit? And then thirdly, why do we submit? Okay, what does it mean? How are we able to do it? 
then why? What is the motivation to submit? Well, first of all, the word submit basically means that you put yourself at the disposal of another person. Now, it's such a strong word that some have thought that this could only refer to the people under authority, that is, the wives and the children and the slaves in the sections that follow. But the strong language is submit to one another. Okay? And he not only talks to wives, but he spends more time on the husbands than he does the wives. So within the general uh, relationships in which wives submit to husbands, children to parents, slaves to their master, there is also a kind of submission and a dis- putting yourself at the disposal of those over whom you have authority. And it's so strong that if you look in uh, chapter 6 after addressing slaves, Notice in verse 9, when he addresses masters, after saying, knowing whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening. So there is a kind of respect and honor given downward for those in authority in which we in authority would make put ourselves at the disposal of those over whom we have authority so instead of saying after wives submit to your husbands he doesn't then say and husbands rule over your wives doesn't say that you submit you love so that This complete submission is to be given to complete love, utter love, the love of Jesus Christ who died. The the most radical example is given to uh, the husbands. So it, it helps you understand a little bit of what he must intend here as he says submitting to one another. And as it comes off of those other Uh, Verses addressing one another, singing, making melody, giving thanks, submitting to one another. It has the feel that all of us are to be submitting ourselves one to the other, making ourselves available, putting ourselves at each other's disposal. Now, this doesn't mean that other people will, in one sense, govern your life so that you never get done what you need to get done, but it means that when you begin to decide what you need to get done... You're thinking of other people all the time. Now, somebody, you may have to say no to things because you're not just at anybody's whim, but in another sense, you're always giving yourself away. You've decided to whom and when and how and how radically you want to give yourself away. So it, it's, we're, we're not saying on the one hand that this puts you in a place where you're never going to get anything done because you're always at somebody else's disposal But it means in one sense, you can't be just at anybody's disposal because you're deciding you're going to be at people's disposal. You're not just going to run here and there. You are going to give yourself away to people uh, because he has commanded you to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It says then, uh, as one has written, the submission of husbands, for instance, amounts to loving servanthood, putting oneself under the other, having the same attitude that Christ had, very much like Philippians 2, 
where we consider one another as more important than ourselves. And then he turns and says, have this attitude that was in Christ. Even Christ. And that is why at the end of the verse, and we'll get to it, out of reverence for Christ, out of reverence for Christ, we submit ourselves to one another. But more on that in a bit. So, there's a, as the, the Puritan, uh, one Puritan who writes in this passage says, condescendency of spirit and stooping, he calls it, okay? Seeing our proud and lofty spirits do look upon every duty towards our neighbor as below us. That's how we do. Our haughty spirit looks upon anything as really below us. That's why we're many times not happy to do something. That's why it's a burden to do that. That's why all of the things that are conflicted in us, much of that is because we really don't see ourselves as servants. And yet, of course, that is what Christ was to us. So this submission is that service of love that every person owes to another for their mutual good and advantage, that I dedicate myself to the good of others. I submit, we submit ourselves one to another. And this should happen to such a degree, for instance, with husbands to wives. I, I thought this phrase was so beautiful. The husband's authority over her, but his dedicated love to her should be such that the wife may look upon his authority as a mercy to herself. Is that convicting or what? That she would see your life to her, your committed love to her, as one of her many wonderful mercies from God. That he has given to. And that comes because your authority is exercised for the sole purpose of her benefit. Now, cutting short remarks have nothing to do with submitting to one another. Smart aleck statements, tearing a person down, husband to wife, wife to husband, has nothing to do with submitting to one another. You see, there is an honor. There is this awe involved. There is an awe before Christ, which creates a, an awe in this thing I have to give myself to the other person. We, we really throw that word around, don't we? Awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. Because we do it in the presence of the very one who laid down his life, who did not think equality with God a thing to be grasped. If Jesus acted like us, there would have been no cross. He'd still be in heaven. But the good news is, secondly, how? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's the train of blessings that the Spirit brings to us. This impossibility, this impossibility that we would be released from our selfishness. 
In his book on God's love, Peter Kreft, and we have a quote from him at the beginning of the bulletin. He says, we all were born into this world with original sin. The simplest way to see this is to watch a toddler. He acts kind and patient when he feels like it. But he is also arrogant, rude, jealous, boastful, irritable, or resentful when he feels like it. In other words, he always insists on his own way. And that's the key. Sometimes my way, I feel pretty good, I'm pretty pleasant, you're my friend, you did what I wanted you to, I like you. Two seconds later, (laughs) I hate your guts. When kindness is his way, he's kind. When not, look out. My will be done is inscribed on our soul as our spiritual heredity. My will be done is inscribed on our soul as our spiritual heredity. Kierkegaard understood this when he wrote in his journals. This is funny, but whoo, how close to the truth. If I had a servant who, when I asked for a glass of water, brought me the world's costliest wines blended in a chalice, I would dismiss him to teach him that true pleasure consists not in what I enjoy, but in having my own way. That's the great pleasure of my life, is having my own way, even if it kills me. Our innate dream is Frank Sinatra's line, I did it my way. We think that is heaven, in fact... It is the song they sing in hell. I did it my way. And the misery of doing it my way. And here, agape, the true love, committed love, God's love, is the antidote to this fatal spiritual disease we are all born with. Love is the fulfillment of the law because love, 1 Corinthians 13, does not insist on its own way, but on God's way. It says, thy will be done instead of my will be done. Is that possible that a self could be unselfish, that a will could say, not my will? And yet that's the miracle of the gospel. That's the miracle of coming to grips with Jesus Christ and being changed by his grace. And it is a mercy that comes only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting, and this is it's hard to figure this out, but in Christ's own incarnation, you know, sometimes we think, well, it wasn't fair for him in terms of obedience and my obedience because he was God, okay? He was God and man. But interestingly, as theologians point out and people who study the Word, that Jesus didn't seem to depend on the fact that he was God for his daily living. Why was he anointed with the Spirit to do his work? Why does it say in uh, Hebrews chapter 9 that he gave himself up by the eternal Spirit? All of his work was done by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing and encouraging? That Jesus Christ obeyed God by the Holy Spirit? 
And he is said to have the Spirit without measure. And of course, the whole point of his being exalted at the right hand of God is to pour out his Spirit in our lives. So be governed by the Spirit. Submit yourself to Him. Submit yourself admitting there is no way, Lord, for me to break free of my insistence on my own way. To be that kind of husband who will be a mercy to his wife or that kind of wife that will be a mercy to her husband so that he thinks, oh, Lord God, the mercy of this woman. And you won't be that way just because you're pretty. And you won't be that way just because you're handsome. It's only agape that brings about that joy in each other. That we dedicate ourselves, that we put ourselves at each other's disposal. So we must be governed by the Spirit in order to submit to one another. It is none other than the work of God to do this. And we are entirely dependent upon Him for it. But isn't it good news that when we are filled, when the Spirit does govern us, this will be the result. You see, the Spirit, you back up to chapter 4, when it's talking about putting away falsehood because we are members of one another, verse 25, and not being angry at one another, not being a thief and supplying one another's needs. And then verse 29, don't have corrupt thought uh, words come from your mouth. And then verses 31 and 32, bitterness and wrath and anger, put all that away from you. And in the middle of it, what does it say? Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit is bent upon our unity. He is passionate about our mutual submission to one another, our bearing with each other in the words of verse 32, or our forgiving one another, being kind to one another, tender-hearted. And so naturally, if you are governed by the Spirit, you will become a loving servant to one another, especially in the most difficult areas of your life in the home. That's the teaching of this passage, isn't it? Because right as he talks about submitting to one another, he brings the most difficult area for every one of us, the person you live with. But you are filled with the Spirit in order that you might bear that wonderful fruit right there in the home. So, what do we do? We submit, we put ourselves at each other's disposal. How does this come about? It comes about by the mighty work of the Holy Spirit who is bent upon creating that. Will you pray with me regularly, passionately, expectantly? Oh Lord, make us, make us a body that so manifests your Spirit that does not grieve you, that shows a unity, a kindness, a servanthood, a love. And brothers and sisters, I think I've got to grow more than anybody in this. So I'm putting myself right there. Lord, grant that all of us will be filled with the Spirit and manifest this kind of life. Then finally, submit to one another out of Reverence for Christ. Literally, in the fear of Christ. 
And fear has this meaning of awe, reverence. And it's the same term used in the Old Testament for the fear of God. Interestingly, in Proverbs, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. And in this context, in verse 15, he says, Walk not as uh, unwise, but as wise. And in the same breath almost, walk in the fear of Christ, in awe of Christ. And you think about what all this means. To, be, to, to do this out of awe for Christ, first of all, as the head in chapter 1 that we talked about. He is the Lord over all authority in heaven and earth. He has put down all other authority. He rules all things. We should tremble before Him. If you were at a railroad crossing and you were horrified to see this huge train coming and an 18-wheeler is coming the other way and somehow he doesn't see it, maybe he's asleep at the wheel, and he comes across the tracks... And you see this train obliterate even an 18-wheeler and it's just smashed into little pieces everywhere and you're just trembling in your little Mini Cooper as you're sitting there to think of the awesome power. Think how carefully you would look at every train track after that because you're in awe of the great power that you just saw. And you're driving around in a Mini Cooper. He has put down all of the spiritual forces in heaven and on earth. We're talking warrior of the most ultimate kind. And he says, submit to one another out of reverence for this one who is head over all things. Submit out of reverence to this one who though he is head over all things, earlier in this chapter, Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, verse 2, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Out of reverence for that Christ who Himself has made Himself a servant, who has submitted Himself, put Himself at our disposal, counted us as more important than His own comfort, and put Himself to death for our sake. Out of respect and reverence and awe for that Christ, submit yourselves to one another. But even in awe of the fullness of Christ, that you've been joined with Christ, it says in chapter 2 that we've studied some, you were raised with Christ and you are seated with Him in the heavenly places. In awe, out of reverence and respect for the new person that you are in Christ. For His mighty work and power that is working in you, that has given you a new position in Him, and of course, yes, has poured out His Spirit in your life. Out of all for that Christ. Out of all for this One whose love goes beyond our thinking. The love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I've sung this little hymn before. That he quotes, If all the seas with ink would fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every pen on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the whole contain the scroll, 
though stretched from sky to sky. The boundless love of Christ, as Paul says in 319, that surpasses knowledge. In awe of this Christ, give yourself to one another. This is the life that we have lost in the garden. This is the life all around you that you see in the whole world of war, of murder, of rape, of heartache, of loneliness, of destruction. Our pain comes from each other, doesn't it? Our greatest pain comes from each other. Our blessed liberty is that we could become little manifestations of the very love of Christ because the very Holy Spirit of Christ dwells in us. And what will be the result? We will submit ourselves one to another. And I invite you, if you do not know Jesus Christ, that you would give yourself to Him. And you would say, Lord Jesus, I do not walk in that love. I don't know what that love means hardly. Oh, Lord Jesus, take me and rescue me. You see, we all come to him like blind men. We can't see. We just can't. We don't love. We don't submit ourselves to one another. But we come to the one who makes the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk. Let us pray. Oh, Lord. Thank you for your glory, glorious work in us in the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray that we husbands will make our wives feel like it's a mercy, a mercy to be living with us. And that our wives, Lord, will so live that it will be a mercy. That we as parents will be a mercy to our children. That children will be a mercy to their parents. That the people that know us in the neighborhood will begin to count it a mercy because of how we love them and care for them. Oh Lord, we confess our sin. We confess that we are born with this disease. But we also confess that you are our Savior. As Paul says here, you're the Savior of the body. You rescue us. And you transform us so that we truly begin to take on your image and live out your love. Oh Lord, we rejoice in your salvation. Our glorious head, the one who rules heaven and earth. Amen. Our last hymn is 647.